I want to welcome you to Awaken to Grace today. I'm Chad Roberts. I'm your Bible teacher. And today is part two of a very key sermon called Faulty Faith. What a response this sermon got. You know, I've led many to the Lord after preaching this sermon. This is a complicated scripture. It's a very tough text. As a matter of fact, in my view, it's one of the most difficult, it's one of the most complex verses in all of the Bible. And I approached it quite carefully. So as you listen today, if you find yourself that you have questions, that you would like to talk to me personally about your salvation, I want you to reach out to me. You can email me at pastorchadroberts at gmail. Com. You can go to my website, awakenedtograce.com, and you can reach out to me personally, and I will respond personally. Well, today let's go to these wonderful but complicated scriptures, verses 4 and 6 of Hebrews chapter 6, and let's learn from God's Word together. you to hear this, and I never want you to forget this from me, your pastor. If I could, if I could tell you one thing and boil it down to this, this is the one thing that I would say to you. You can have faith, but that doesn't mean it's a saving faith. A saving faith transforms your nature. A saving faith trust only in the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else for forgiveness of sin. Nothing else. All others are sinking sand. They were once enlightened, but it did not produce true repentance. Number two, they tasted of the heavenly gift. What does this mean? I take this as Christ. For what did Paul say? 1 Corinthians 9. Or 2 Corinthians 9. Thanks be unto God for his inexpressible gift. Christ. They've seen the goodness of God. They've seen the goodness of Christ. They're familiar with the things of God. This is the one that really I had a difficulty with. They share in the Holy Spirit. Now, what's this mean? How can someone share in the Holy Spirit and not be authentically born again? How? How do you explain that? It's unfortunate that some translations, the translators used the word partake here. Some translations will say partakers of the Holy Spirit, which leads you to link that word partaker to what we've already studied so much in Hebrews, that we have become, we are partakers of Christ. That leads you to think of 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4, that we now are partakers of God's divine nature. We have that commonality with God. We're born again, therefore we are of his nature. But that's not the Greek word here. The Greek word is not partake. 
as we know that in salvation. I believe the ESV gets this right. I believe the NIV gets this right. And, they, and the New Living Translation gets this right. They use the word share. What does that mean? Those who share in the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about this. I have no doubt that many of the original audience that this letter is written to, they saw the mighty miracles all throughout the book of Acts. I would not be surprised if there were not some who received this letter who was in the very house the night they did the prayer meeting that the entire house was shaken. They have shared in experiences of the Holy Spirit. My friends, that's no different than today. Let me tell you something. We believe in the power of prayer. Can we say amen? We believe in laying hands on the sick. Can we say amen? And we have laid hands on many, and we've watched tumors disappear. We've watched them vanish to the glory of God. We've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. And that is no different than you being in a congregation like this and you watching the mighty moves of God and you watching the Holy Spirit fall upon us. And you share in those experiences. And you go home and go, wow. It's no different than someone feeling emotional toward God. You see, that's not salvation. It's no different than someone really digging into the scriptures because analytically they want to connect to God and they want to understand God. And so they have the analytical ability. They've got the capacity to read and dig and study. But yet that's not being born again. I want you to hear me today. It is possible for you to share experiences and be outside the faith. What a, what a weighty thing to say and to think about. So he says, they've once been enlightened. They've tasted of the heavenly gift. They share in the Holy Spirit. Now, verse number four. Oh, and let me just say this right here. Let me tell you something right now, because some of you, some of you are just sort of wringing your hands right now, and you're kind of going, I don't know if I'm truly saved. Let me give you some good news. Chapter 6, I'm telling you, from now until, if everything goes as I think it's going to go on schedule, from now till October the 30th, we are going to unlock the treasure chest of Hebrews chapter 6. And what we're going to find in the next set of verses are absolute rubies and sapphires. They are absolute diamonds and emeralds of the glory of salvation. And I'm going to teach you out of the scriptures how you have an anchor for your soul that you do not have to doubt for a second being born again. But see, it's similar to sharing the gospel. 
An individual cannot fully understand and appreciate the good news until first they hear the bad news. They have to know they're a sinner before they can really receive salvation. Well, that's sort of the order of our text today. We have to hear this hard thing first. We have to do a fire inspection first. We've got to look through the wiring of our faith first. and see, Are there any faulty faith within me before we lay hold and before we take possession of all that salvation is? Can I hear a big amen today? Those who were once enlightened, those who've tasted the heavenly gift, those who share in the Holy Spirit, and now those who tasted the goodness of God's word. What's that mean? That's those who want the benefits of the scriptures. But yet they don't live the scriptures. What, what do you mean, Chad? Can I just be frank with you today? Is that okay? Because, see, let me tell you what's good about being blind. If I make you mad and you don't show back up next week, I don't even know it. I can't see you. No, I want to tell you, I, I joke, but let, let me tell you pastorally, let me tell you lovingly. Many of us have scriptures on our walls. Bless this house. But yet what we permit in our house God cannot, and God will not bless. That's a faulty faith. That's faulty wiring. Now, those who tasted the goodness of God's word, that's people who, they want the benefits of what Scripture teaches. They, I have met people, now hear me now, I have met people, who their life is an absolute mess because of sinful choices, because of sinful consequences. And they'll tell me, yeah, but the Bible says everything will work together for good. Not for you. You're not living according to God's word. Now, come on. Is that right or wrong? I mean, so what must you do? You must say... Now, hang on. The Bible teaches this, and my lifestyle is going that way. I better get on the path of righteousness. I better change course. See, that's what repentance is. It's a change of mind. It's a change of direction. You can't follow God's word and go your own path. That's what I'm trying to say. You can't want to follow God's word with one day a week and then live your own life and live your own lifestyle and go your own way the rest of the week. That's someone who's tasted of the goodness of God's word, but it's produced no real repentance. <clears throat> the scriptures call it a wheat and a tear. Wheat and weeds. You can't tell them apart until harvest time comes. And then lastly, it says, and the powers of the age to come. What's that mean? That means the supernatural things of God, the workings of the Holy Spirit. Again, church, I can't emphasize enough. You can be part of a spirit-filled church like this and your faith not be genuine. Now, let me clarify this. Look at the next verse. <clears throat> if they fall away, 
Now, some commentators, some very good commentators, some men that I respect to the highest degree who are now with the Lord, they read the word if there as hypothetical. It is impossible for someone to fall away. So if they did, but this is a hypothetical situation. I don't hold to that. The actual Greek there says, and fall away. The author is saying, this does happen, it has happened, and you are in potential danger of it. Now, what does fall away mean? Fall away does not mean to have sin in your life. Now, say amen if you're with me right now, because this is mighty important. No, 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 I need a hearty amen. amen. Okay, I... You cannot miss this because Satan will have a field day with you if you miss this. Falling away does not mean that you sin because we all sin. Falling away does not mean two Christians who disagree on a theological point. That's not That brother can't look at the other brother and go, well, you've fallen away. No. I want you to write this down. To fall away means an absolute rejection of God's truth. Apostasy, you got it. To fall away is apostasy. It is a willful turning your back on God's revealed truth. Now, why does it say that it is impossible for those who have fallen away to be restored again to repentance. The word fall away here means an utter and complete falling. It's more emphatic in the Greek. It's got a heavier punch in the Greek than even what Christ said when in Matthew chapter 7 verse 27, the house built on the solid rock, the house built on sinking sand, the wind blew, the rain fell, and when the house built on the sinking sand fell, what did Jesus say? And great was the fall of it. This is even more emphatic in the Greek. It is an absolute destruction There is a current happening right now that is very popular. My family and I just got back from the beach, as you know, two weeks ago. And the last few days we were at the beach, we could not let our kids into the ocean. You know why? Rip tide. So we warned them. Let me tell you something. Warnings are not bad, they're good. My children did not come home and say, we had the worst week of our life because my dad warned me. Riptide, serious. We wouldn't let them in. There's a riptide happening right now. And let me tell you what it's called. It's called deconstructing your faith. And it's a current. And it will pull you under and it will drown you. I have listened to many videos of people who supposedly are deconstructing their faith. One young lady, Lord bless her heart, she bashed the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
She terribly bashed churches like us, and she was a former worship leader, and she said, I would take my guitar on the stage, and I would play music to manipulate people, and I would manipulate their emotions, and it was all fake. And you know what this young girl did the whole time she did her little TikTok video? She had a music of violin playing the whole time. I told Sadie, I said, she's manipulating us. How hypocritical. Is ridiculous. But there are some who, in what they think is sincerity, they are deconstructing their faith. I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you pastorally, that is a very dangerous thing to do. If you're not careful, you will erode your faith. As a matter of fact, let me give it a biblical word. If you're not careful, First Peter, uh, I'm sorry, First Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. If you don't hold fast to your faith, you're going to shipwreck your faith. And there isn't a one of you precious people. There isn't a one of you precious families that I don't want to see you shipwreck your faith. And that's why these scriptures matter. And that's why we must hold to these scriptures and self-examine our own lives. Just as a fire inspector would carefully examine, let's carefully examine ourselves today. Why is it impossible, and I close with this, why is it impossible to restore to repentance? Do you know why it's impossible? It's because for those who fall away, for those who turn their backs on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's impossible because there's nowhere else to go. There's no other gospel to turn to. There's no other place to find forgiveness. There's no other place to find God than through his son Jesus. And here's what the writer says. Those who would fall away, those who would turn their backs. Now hear me, that's not sin. Some of you, you may have sinned last night, but that does not mean you've fallen away. Some of you right now are in a place of broken fellowship with God because your life isn't right, but that does not mean you have fallen away. Who has fallen away? Those who've experienced the true gospel and they've turned their backs on it. And what does it say for those, not you, not us, not, not, not we, what does it say for those? They are crucifying again the Son of God. What's that mean? It's very interesting. This word crucifying, number one, is in the present tense. It means right now they're crucifying the Savior. But you know what the Greek term here, it goes on and there's a deeper meaning to it. It means to crucify up. You know what that means? That means they display it to the world and they crucify all over again Jesus Christ to their own harm. And what's it say? And they hold him in contempt. They say, Jesus, your work on the cross is useless to me. It's worthless to me. Child of God, don't think that if you are in a sin today, 
that you have fallen away. That's not the case. But I want you to hear me today. Last thing I'll share with you. You know how I love my columns and I love my contrast. Just make two columns in your notes. On the left, write Judas Iscariot. On the right, write Peter. They both denied the Lord Jesus Christ. They both regretted it. One repented, and Judas could not. Read Matthew 27, verses 3 through 5, to read the account of Judas Iscariot. He wept. He was sorrow. But listen, 2 Corinthians 7.10 teaches that there is a godly sorrow that does lead to repentance and then there's a worldly sorrow that does not. You remember Esau? He tried to repent with tears, but he couldn't. For it is impossible in the case of those who were once enlightened and have had all of these Godward experiences, but they never passed from death unto life. Now in the coming weeks, I'm going to show you with all assurance how to know you're born again. And I've tried to show you that all through the book. And there's some of you that you need some wise pastoral counseling. There's some of you that you need to sit down with some seasoned believers who know what it is to doubt their salvation and get assurance of it and gain victory. You need to sit down with some of us and let us help you gain assurance. But then there's some of you, you've got the whole church experience under your belt but you don't have genuine faith because your faith has never led you to true repentance. Your lifestyle's never changed. Your nature's never changed. You've never trusted fully in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And so you have your Bible and you have your church and you have your pastor and you have your songs and you have your church things but what you have is a natural faith and what you need today is a saving faith that will transform your life let's bow our heads today say, Chad, you've said some very difficult things. That's it's really shaken my confidence today. I'm simply asking you to inspect yourself. Inspect your own faith. Is it a church faith or is it a saving faith?
Is it a faith that creates this image of God, of who you want him to be? Or is it a faith that lets the eternal word of God shape in your mind and in your heart who God truly is? Have you visited my online store where you can find books, music, sermon series, and so much more? I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. Awakentograce.com slash store.